This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Well, good morning to you from wherever that you're joining us from. My name is Will Chester. I'm the youth pastor here at Church of the Resurrection. And I wanted to begin today by telling you about a film called A Quiet Place. Now, just disclaimer, it's a PG-13 movie. It's a monster movie, so I'm not recommending it to children or young teenagers or people who don't like monster movies. I just want to tell you about the the concept. So it begins in this kind of post-apocalyptic world. The monsters have, have taken over, and there's a husband and wife who are living on a farm all by themselves with their children and trying to raise their children and and protect them and teach them how to survive. And the the plot line of the movie centers around this one circumstance, that the wife is pregnant. And this is so interesting. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with this genre, but pregnant women are not in the usual cast of characters in post-apocalyptic stories. I mean, it's just crazy. Who has a baby during the apocalypse? Why bring children into what seems like a non-existent future? How do you raise them in a world where their lives and their happiness are constantly in danger? So these questions linger, and yet, and yet, a baby is coming, and life is still a gift, even in a vulnerable time. What the movie captures is, in a heightened way, is this sense that all parents have about bringing children into the world, that we're always bringing children into an uncertain and unsteady world. There's no escaping it. And for all of us, when life is unsteady and uncertain, we don't take risks. We don't put ourselves out there. We almost always move into a protective, uh, preservation, passive mode of existence. We don't build houses, we don't make long-term commitments, we don't look for new friends or community, we just try to ride out the storm. And this is where we are right now. We're in this once-in-a-century pandemic, a time of incredible social upheaval. There are rumors of economic upheaval. And the hardest part is that we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the fall is going to bring. If we knew, if we knew that we only have to make it till 2021 and then things are going to get better, we could handle this fall. We could handle its challenges, but we don't know. And so our hopes and fears rise and fall every time we check the news. What do we do in an uncertain and unsteady world where the future is blurry and sometimes bleak? That is the question that Jeremiah is answering in this chapter, in this passage. And he doesn't say, buckle down, close the hatches, ride out the storm. He doesn't say, run while you still can. Instead, Jeremiah says, build that house, plant that tree, make that baby. So let's, let's back up and look at the, the context of this passage. So if you're joining us for the first time this summer, we're preaching through the book of Jeremiah, which is written about 600 years before the birth of Jesus. Jeremiah is a prophet. It's his job to speak into the cultural conditions of the day. He's somebody that that people go to when they're trying to understand what's happening in our world, what's going to happen, how do we prepare for it? And what he's been saying up until now is this. 
People of God, turn around. Turn around, turn around, change your ways before it's too late. And by the time we get to Jeremiah chapter 29, in the middle of the book, it's finally too late. Disaster has come in the form of Babylon, the most powerful nation on earth. And they've carried the people of God from their homes in Jerusalem off into exile. This is a climactic moment in the Bible. This is staggering. It it should stop us in our tracks. Because up until now, the whole story of the Bible has been a story of creation, that God is is building something. He's building a place where his people are going to live and they're going to model justice and truth and they're going to bring healing to the nations. It's all been building, 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 and now it comes apart at the seams. And like an architect who is finishing his life's work, who's seeing it all constructed, and then as it's nearing completion, he says, you know what, forget it. We're taking it down. And beam by beam, nail by nail, everything comes down. That is what's happening in the exile. What was exile? What was it about in the ancient world? Well, it was common in the ancient world. I mean, it's still happening today. We call it a forced removal of people. It's despicable, it's horrendous, it's anti-creation. And the idea is this, it's not just to take someone's property. It's not just that they wanted Jerusalem, so they wanted to to kick the Hebrews out. It's that they want to assimilate the Hebrews. They bring them to Babylon in order to strip them of their culture, their identity, their customs, their language, their names, to strip them of everything that makes them them so that they're no longer a threat anymore, so that they look just like the other Babylonians with nothing left to fight for. And so the Hebrews are quite literally terrified for their their futures, their existence as a people. It's all in doubt. It's all in question. And so they're right to wonder, Jeremiah, what are we supposed to do? Everything we know is different. We're deep in enemy territory. How do we move forward? How do we interact with these new neighbors? How do we protect what we love and cherish? Do you feel the, the weight of those questions? Because you and I experience our own kinds of exile. This pandemic is an exile from our normal way of living. For some, the trauma of racism is a kind of exile, of feeling excluded or threatened even in one's own home. Some of us feel a kind of cultural exile because we're committed to both justice and truth. And we find that that this just puts us at odds with all kinds of political perspectives. As a Christian, you might feel exiled in in a time and a place where it's no longer assumed that your faith is actually good for society. So you feel kind of exile. Where do I fit? Where do I belong? And it's no wonder that that the Apostle Peter uses this metaphor of exile to describe the people of God in the New Testament. He says, wherever you live, as a a child of God, wherever you live, you're a stranger there. You're a foreigner. You're an exile, dispersed among the nations. So what do we do when exile threatens our way of life? Do we assimilate? 
Do we disengage from the world around us and protect what we can while we can? No, Jeremiah's got a different idea. He says we build, we plant, we multiply. Look at verse four. Thus says the Lord to the exiles, here are your instructions. Here's what you're supposed to do. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Settle down. He says, you're exile. It's not going to be short. Don't listen to the prophets who say it's going to be short. It's going to be long. It's going to be 70 years long. So settle down. Take wives and have sons and daughters. In fact, don't just... Don't just get married, but think about the generations coming after you. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may have sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. What are we supposed to do? You're supposed to build. You're supposed to plant. You're supposed to multiply. And notice how this command is reminiscent of an earlier command that God gives his people at the very beginning of creation. Genesis chapter 1 creates Adam and Eve, and he says this. God says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth. To build and to plant and to multiply is what we're created to do. It's what it looks like to have dominion. God is a worker and a creator, and we are workers and creators in his image. That's our calling No matter who you are, that's your calling. What am I supposed to do with my life? You're supposed to build, plant, multiply, have dominion on this earth. And what Jeremiah is saying is that no matter where you are, no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, this remains your calling. So notice Jeremiah does not say, in your exile, sit, stare, scroll, And one of the biggest dangers of this pandemic is passivity, losing ourselves to screens and ways of just getting through the day, losing our community culture, our family culture to idleness and disconnection. We have to work for these things. We have to fight for them now. Because to be passive, to let our circumstances, let the circumstances of exile dictate the quality and meaning of our lives dictate the quality and meaning of our spiritual lives is to lose sight of what makes us human. We're called to build, plant, and multiply, and doing those things means taking back our agency, even in exile, even in these difficult circumstances. So what would it look like for you to adjust your posture during this pandemic? to take ownership of your life. Ask the Lord, where would you have me build, plant, and multiply? And here are just a few examples. Maybe it looks like taking responsibility for your neighborhood and and doing what Father Matt encouraged us to do, making a neighborhood map. Do you know your neighbor's names? Do you know a little bit about their stories? Do they know a little bit about yours? It could look like that. It could look like perhaps a changed perspective of your work, seeing that your work matters to God, even if it's mundane, that your work is part of something bigger. It's part of bringing or exercising dominion in this world. It's a way to worship God and honor him. It looks like babies and children and investing in the next generation by the way that you disciple your children or somebody else's. 
If you're a student, perhaps it looks like a resolution to not see this year as a lost cause. To not see this year as a lost cause. Yes, it's gonna be difficult, but there are experiences and relationships that will grow your character, that will affect your whole life. But you won't experience those things if you're passive, if you're just trying to get through. You'll only experience those transforming experiences if you're looking for them and saying, God, what do you want me to do this year? Build, plant, multiply, take back your calling, your agency, even in exile. Jeremiah then calls the exiles to look outwards from themselves and to look towards their new neighbors to seek their shalom. Look at verse seven. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you'll find your welfare. Imagine hearing those words as an exile. What's that, Jeremiah? You want us to seek the welfare of the nation that just carted us from our homes? You want us to seek the welfare of our oppressors? Yes. We need to understand what welfare means. It's the word here, trans, uh, translated welfare, it's, it's the Hebrew word shalom. It's the key word in this passage. And shalom, it's, it's a big concept. Usually it's translated peace, but it means something bigger than that. It means completeness or wholeness or healthiness. It means the system is flourishing. It's doing what it was made to do. And so when God says, seek the shalom of the city, he's not saying seek their prosperity, though that might come. He's saying seek their flourishing. And God is the one who defines what flourishing means. So in a relationship in the Bible, if two parties are fighting, they don't have shalom when they have peace and they're no longer fighting. Shalom comes when they're now working together on a common project. So Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, you see these enemies of yours, you see these people who are wrong and their ideas about religion and politics and all of the rest. I want you to help them to flourish. I want you to help them to flourish in the ways that I've designed people to flourish. In fact, pray for them, for in their shalom, you'll find your shalom. Pray for your enemies to come into wholeness and healthiness. What an incredible challenge for us today. I mean, what we want is Jeremiah to say, seek your own welfare, seek the welfare of your tribe and you'll come out on top. That's not what he says. He says, seek the welfare of the Babylonians. So this means two things for us as Christians. Number one, it means that we can never escape the radical call of Jesus to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. No matter what contentious issue is being discussed, whether it's policing or the response to the pandemic, whether it's the upcoming election, we don't have a choice. We're not allowed to cancel anybody else. We're not allowed to exclude them. We're not allowed to no longer consider their welfare. We have to love them. We have to seek their shalom, no matter who that is. 
And secondly, it's this call to continue working for justice because there's no shalom without justice. You can have prosperity without justice, but you can't have shalom. And so this means that we can't stop at, at right, we can't stop at reconciliation when we're talking about race. We can't stop at unity. We have to, we have to look at those systems and structures that aren't right and bring justice to those. Otherwise, we're like those people that Jeremiah speaks to and he says, you say peace, peace, but there's no peace. God is interested in shalom and he'll accept no substitutes. You cannot have shalom without justice. And so here's the deal. If we take both of those challenges to heart, people are not gonna know what to do with us. Because today, we're forced to choose. We're asked to choose. You either love your enemies or you work for justice, but you can't do both. But Jeremiah calls us to do both. Jesus calls us to do both, to love our enemies and pursue justice. And so maybe it's time for us to embrace our identity as exiles, embrace the fact that we just don't fit in this current discourse. Because our first allegiance is not to any party or any idea. Our first allegiance is to Jesus because we're citizens of heaven. So let's work for justice and let's love our enemies and let's remind this world that we don't have to choose. In fact, if we want shalom, we can't choose between those. We have to have both. Build, plant, multiply. Seek the shalom of the city. Do it all, even in exile, even when the world's tearing at the seams. But why? Why build a house if you don't want to be there? Why plant a garden or start a business if what you really want is to go back home? Why have children when the world is so uncertain? And the answer is this. This is the answer that Jeremiah gives. He says it's because of hope hope that despite our circumstances, our future is secure. So we saw this two months ago, and we sent the Magnuson family, who had been with us for two years, to go and plant a church in the Fox Cities. I mean, who plants a church in the middle of a pandemic? What book says that's a good idea? Doesn't exist. But the Magnusons did that for the same reason that they left their comfortable lives in Virginia to come here and be trained. They did that because God called them and because they trusted that God knows what he's doing. Their hope was in him. And yes, there was prayer and discernment about timing and all of the rest. But at the center of it all was hope. It was love for the people of the Fox Cities and hope that God knows what he's doing. And so they moved and they bought a house and they're planting a church and by God's grace, they'll multiply even in exile. Here's what you can put your hope in, that God is for shalom, that God is for you and that God will not fail. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for shalom, and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That was true for these Israelite exiles whose grandchildren and great-grandchildren would one day return home to Jerusalem. 
That was true for Jesus, exiled to the point of death and then brought back to sit in glory at the right hand of the Father. That's going to be true for you and me if we believe. Our exile is long. It'll be difficult. There's no doubt about that. But our future is secure. Amen? There is a light at the end of the tunnel. There's an end to this pandemic. There's an end to injustice. There's an end to your exile because God says, I'm bringing you home. Your future is secure. So if you knew, if I knew that someday my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren would live in the house where I'm living now, if I knew that with certainty, I would go out tomorrow and I would buy the most beautiful tree and I'd plant it in my front yard, knowing that I would never see it in all of its glory, but I'd do it for them. And if you knew for certain that the success of your company was gonna enable hundreds of others to flourish and provide for their families, you'd give everything you have during those nine to five hours. If you knew for certain that the time you spent listening to a teenager, discipling them, would lead to a legacy of Christians who bring shalom wherever they go, you would be so present in that moment. And we don't have certainty about the outcome of any of these individual actions, but that's not where our hope is. Hope doesn't mean a guarantee of our preferred outcome in every situation. Hope is a guarantee of God's preferred outcome through the death and resurrection of his son. And our hope is that our little efforts are part of something bigger that God is doing through Jesus Christ. And so instead of asking, when will this be over? Let's start asking, Lord, what would you have me do while I'm here? And let's hear him say to us again, I'd have you do the same thing we've been doing since the beginning. I'd have you build. I'd have you plant. I'd have you multiply. I'd have you seek the shalom of this city because I died for this city because I'm for this city and I'm calling you to be for this city as well. And perhaps you've never needed this kind of hope to live a meaningful life. But lately you felt overwhelmed. You felt paralyzed by fear. You felt unlike yourself without foundations. Maybe you do need this hope. And maybe this morning is an opportunity to put your trust in someone that has secured your future, no matter what circumstances you're in, no matter what news comes through your screens, no matter what challenges lie ahead. Perhaps today is the day to ask Jesus for the hope that only he can offer. And so resurrection, if and when this exile, this pandemic stretches into the fall, if and when the tunnel gets darker and darker, if and when the ground shakes beneath your feet, go plant a tree. Build something beautiful. Multiply and invest in the next generation. And say to the exile, this isn't the end. My God is bringing me home. My God is bringing shalom. And in Jesus, my future is secure. Amen. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As a part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.